The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Our reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. So, you guys get married? Question, I get periodically in an airport, sometimes on the street, by those who are genuinely intrigued by what all this might possibly mean. And after that first question, what are you? And a brief explanation, indeed I'm a, a disciple of Christ, a Catholic, a Catholic priest, a Catholic religious, I'm a preacher, Eventually, that question comes around, not infrequently. So, are you able to get married? You're not like the other priests that I've seen. And my dear friends, it seems to me that the scriptures we've just heard invite us to consider just this question. Why would a man or a woman choose to be celibate, to be unmarried? What inspires St. Paul in that wonderful reading we just heard from the first letter to the Corinthians, that seventh chapter, why would he declare this such a good thing? There's any number of voices outside the church, even inside the church, who would suggest to it it's, it's not a good thing, celibacy, not being married, that it's part of the problem. It's preventing vocations, perhaps, or maybe even causing graver sins to be committed. And even if we don't believe those voices, there's a mystery here to be considered. It's an astonishing mystery, really. It's rich, deep with many facets. But from today's scriptures, perhaps, we can draw just a couple of thoughts. Why is it that I and the brothers, my brothers, friars, preachers, other male religious, women religious throughout the world, priests, why would we choose not to be married? First and most foundationally, my dear friends, it's because Jesus speaks. Jesus speaks with an authority that is greater than that of the world. And he speaks to our soul, to our inmost being. None of us in religious life are immune from or ignorant of all those voices out there telling us we are wrong-headed. But Jesus' voice, his speech is clearer, stronger, truer, more alive. His authority runs deeper, and when he speaks to a soul and invites it, come, follow me, with the very same power by which that voice casts out demons, when he says, come, follow me, the soul is filled with a delight, with a confidence, with a desire to give all, to adhere to the Lord without distraction. When a man or a woman hears this voice, 
they more and more desire to make a lifelong commitment, not to a husband or to a wife as good as that is, as marvelously good as that is, not to a creature, a human person, but rather to the divine person who is calling, to the very Creator, to be united in the Holy Spirit with the divine lover who has called. Why not be married? Because Jesus speaks. And with that call, my dear friends, comes another desire hinted at by St. Paul when he says that the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord. What is it that the Lord is anxious about? What is Paul talking about? My dear friends, if only we could see with jaw-dropping intensity how much the Lord thinks of you and me how much his love is bent towards us, toward your good, your salvation, your holiness. And when a man or a woman receives that invitation with authority from the voice of the Lord to come and follow, that very hunger, that very thirst of the sacred heart of Jesus fills also his or her heart. And the expansiveness of that hunger and thirst of that desire compels, compels the one called to remain free for the Lord, to be completely given to the Lord, free, free from the concerns of a particular relationship, good though they are, to pour out the whole of self for the whole world. Indeed, compels men and women become very much like the Eucharist themselves, to allow the Lord to take them, to bless them with his mercy and grace, to break them, and then to give them back to you from whom we've been drawn. I'm Father John Marie Bingham. For those of you who have, I haven't had a chance to meet yet, I'm stepping into this role as novice master for our Western Dominican province. And it is my delight and my joy to see in this time, in these days, maybe especially in this day, that this truth of the Lord's call, of his speaking to a soul, is still happening, is very much alive. And that the voice of the Lord is more powerful than the noise of any other in the lives of young men who are coming to us. And they are coming. You've probably seen them here at Mass. Nine young men this year who have heard the stirrings of the Lord's powerful voice in their lives, who are feeling called to love as He loves, and coming to test out our way of life, to see the, if the way of the friar preacher responds to the desire in their hearts given by that Holy Spirit. As many of you know, the, the novices of our province spend their first year here at St. Dominic's, learning our customs, wearing our habit, experiencing something of our life and ministry, and seeking with ever greater clarity the call, the response to the Lord's speaking. And so I've asked them, on behalf of Father Michael, to share a little bit of that stirring from the Lord. 
so that our mutual friendship, all of us in Christ, may be strengthened. And so that perhaps your prayers for these men might also be intensified by a bit more knowledge of who they are. So at this Mass, I've asked Brother Emmanuel Maria Melendez to come forward and to share with you a bit, something of the Lord's voice speaking in his life. From our Alleluia verse. The people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. On those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, light has arisen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. I would describe much of my early life, much of my adolescence, as being among those people, sitting in darkness. Um, my family is very broken. Every family's a little broken. I had a lot to struggle with growing up. My parents were separated. My mom had me when she was very young. And there was this experience in my heart of a confusion of a fatherlessness, of an orphaned spirit, that I didn't belong to anyone, that I didn't belong anywhere, and I didn't know who I was. But that's not the most important part of my story, it's certainly not the most important part of this Alleluia verse, right? Really, it's the fact that those who sat in darkness have then experienced the dawn, right? The light of Christ. And so I want to talk to you about three lights. Three lights in my life where Christ rose higher and higher in my heart, taking more and more possession of my life. The first is my grandma. To all of you grandmas out there, thank you for being grandmas. My grandma brought me to church growing up. I did not entirely, mostly appreciate that. Uh, my family is not super religious. You know, she was probably the only one that practiced much. And she'd sit me in the car afterwards, and she asked me, she'd ask me what the priest would say, and, and I wouldn't pay too much attention to all that. But her faith was a light. And it was a light that slowly, began to cause me to turn my head and to ask, well, is it true? Does God love me? Is it true when I look at the darkness, the experience of sin and sadness, that orphan spirit in my life, can I really say, does God love me? If you ask my grandma why it is that I want to be a priest, she will tell you this story, that when I was two years old, I played the baby Jesus in a nativity play. And because I was the baby Jesus, I'm going to be a priest. <laughs> this light of faith 
this challenge to the darkness that I saw and experienced grew. My curiosity grew. I became more existential, and I wondered, again, does God love me? What's the point of life? What's the point of my life? When I was in middle school, a second light dawned. I began to reason through and receive grace from the Lord in answer to all of these questions. And he led me to see that the darkness that I was experiencing, the darkness that was, I felt was, was at the heart of my life, was because of sin. It's not the way that things were made to be. It wasn't the love of God. And so I resolved to go to confession. I went to confession. It was the second time I had gone to confession ever in my life. I remember kneeling there in the confessional with all of my brokenness, right? Not just my personal sin, but this, this heavy, oppressive experience of not knowing the love of God. And I knelt there, and God came to meet me. He came to meet me. It was one of the most beautiful and surreal experiences of my life that I knew then, that I knew that I knew that God loved me. A second light dawned in my life. And at that moment, I wanted to be anxious for the Lord. I wanted to live for the Lord. I knew that that was the center, the sole desire of my heart. And so faith grew. In high school, I started to think practically, well, how do I go about this? How do I go ahead and, and serve God? I had heard of religious life before. I'd heard of the Dominicans before. I said, man, they look cool. <laughs> I'd never met a Dominican, you know, and I thought, oh, that would be neat. I ended up going to a diocesan seminary. So I was a seminarian for four years with Atlanta. I remember having a conversation with the vocation director. I said, hey, uh, you know, I'm interested in religious life. And he said, just come to seminary anyways. Come experience, come live, grow. God will lead you, he'll take care of you. And he did. I have to come now to a story from the life of St. Dominic, really at his conception. So, St. Dominic's mother, Blessed Jane of Aza, she's sort of our Dominican grandma, so to speak, she had this vision of her little boy uh, when she was pregnant with him. She had a vision that, for some reason, she was giving birth not to a man, but to a dog with a torch in its mouth. And this dog circled the world with this torch and set everything ablaze through the light of his preaching. That's the third light that dawned in my life. When I was in seminary, I visited the Dominicans. I felt this draw, this, this desire for a religious life. And it seemed like everything that I wanted, everything that I, that I knew about myself, everything that I wanted to give away to God, all of that met within this religious community, within this expression of life, to preach. And so, after I graduated, I eventually applied, of course I entered, and I received the name Emmanuel. 
which means God is with us, right? What's there for us? It's true, there's always the cross. There's always the cross. Darkness is. And we sit in darkness at different times in life, and sometimes for longer periods. But the truth, the most fundamental truth, the most beautiful truth, is that Jesus is Emmanuel, right? He is God with us. He's the dawn that rises in our hearts. That's why we preach. Because there are people out there who are still sitting in darkness. And so we, all of us here together, this order of preachers, our friends, we have to go out. We have to go out and speak to people so that the dawn of Christ will rise in their hearts. There's nothing more important than that. Amen. In your book were written every one of my days, which you formed for me, when as yet there was none. Psalm 139. God, from all eternity, has known and will every one of our days, every one of my days. And He freely created every one of us, personally, in His image and likeness, to share in His eternal beatitude, in a way that is unique to everyone. He was not bound to create anything, but he chose to do so. He did not choose to create any world, but he chose to create this world. He knew beforehand that he would form for himself a humanity to save us from sin. And in all the possible beings he could have created, he chose us. He chose me. And I thank God for the gift he has made of myself to myself. Today I want to give praise to God for all the wonders he has done for me by sharing with you a little bit of the ways in which, as far as I know, his providence has worked in my life. I do not come from a Catholic family. My mother is Pentecostal, and my father, although he is baptized, does not believe in God. In my adolescence, I lived a life of disorder in almost every respect. I was lost and confused. I didn't know what the goal of my life was. All I ever received from society and my family seems to indicate to me that life has no meaning. At some point, I just, lo I just lost hope of finding one, I mean meaning, and I became indifferent to the question. But God was there with me. He knew me, and he slowly led me back to him. After high school, I began to study music. I studied classical guitar and jazz trombone. I spent seven years of my life doing that. I didn't know what, where I was going, so I might, might as well just play music because it's fun to play music. Um, but through my wandering, I didn't know it at the time. Uh, God was preparing me 
for a life of contemplation, because through music, he taught me le leisure, that is to say, how to do a noble activity for its own sake, and not for the sake of something else. Then after, God has given me a more explicit knowledge of himself, through philosophy. After some years of studying music, one of my best friends at the time told me that I should come to study philosophy with him. I thought that friends want what is good for their friends, and I started to realize that music was not enough. enough. Now that I think about it, through that friend, it was Jesus who was inviting me to know him better. So I went to study philosophy. In my first semester, I studied the ancient Greek philosophers, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. It has been an awakening for the life of the mind to me, as if I had been asleep until that day. It's better late than never. I discovered that we could know the truth and what is more with certitude. And as I was getting familiar with Aristotle's ways of looking at the natural world, I came to understand the necessity for there to be, for the necessity of the existence of God, for there to be the world I experience every day. I had so much joy in this act of contemplation. I realized that I was made to philosophize, to contemplate truth, and especially to contemplate God. Since I had been in the darkness of ignorance for so long, I was sensible to those who were still in ignorance, in the darkness, and I naturally wanted to take them out of their ignorance and to take them in my joy. At that point, though, I was not Catholic yet, my, but my spiritual journey began there. After I knew that God is, I wanted to know what he is, who he is. And that is why, following one of my friends, I started to go to a Catholic church that was near where I live, St. Thomas Aquinas Church in Quebec City, where I come from. I really loved the liturgy, and I found in the preaching of the priest a delightful wisdom that I did not find in my philosophy classes. Shortly after, I was at church every Sunday. Then everything unfolded. I participated in the activities of the church. I made friends. I made my first confession and, my, and received my first communion. And finally, I have been confirmed. It was like coming back home. And this is how God has made himself known to me through faith, by letting me enter into his church. And overlapping on that period of time, I heard a call to religious life. During my preparation for confirmation, we went to a monastery, the Monastery of the Glorious Cross. I so enjoyed praying the Liturgy of the Hours, meditating and contemplating God in the silence of the chapel. I understood that God was calling me to something like that. Moreover, I admired the monks who consecrated their lives in that way of life. I remember that when we were coming back, I was the only one in the car who was saying, I would like to be a monk. And that is why when I finished my studies in philosophy, I started to discern more actively my vocation. At first I thought it would be a monastery, 
because that's where I prefer to go. So I, I started by having long stays in monasteries. I really enjoyed it, but I felt like something was missing. I had that desire to pursue a life of study and to do it in common with others. For me, to study was a way to enter into relationship with God. And I knew I was not able to pursue intellectual life alone. Moreover, God has shown me that there is a great need for preachers. Actually, as I was discerning, I was in a monastery and I was praying before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And I was reading the passage uh, from the washing of the feet. And there the Lord is, was telling me, you call me Lord and Master, and I wash, you, I wash the feet of my disciples. And if I, the Lord and Master, wash the feet of my disciples, you should do the same. And that, that is how I really heard the call. There is a mystery to my vocation. I, that is the only word to express, but I really think that the Lord is calling me to wash the feet of others and to be conformed to him and to learn how to love others as he did, as he does always because he's the eternal unit. And yeah, so that is how I started to discern with the Dominican uh, province of the Western, of the West of the United States. I heard of it through a friend and I came to visit and it seems to have all I was looking for. Contemplation through studies, frater friendship in fraternal life, liturgy of the hours, and a desire to evangelize. A second visit convinced me to apply and that is how God has called me to discern more closely the Dominican way of life and the novitiate this year. Thanks be to God.